My guest today is Haresh Manglani, a healer and a mentor. Haresh is one of the most intelligent, down-to-earth, humble people I have the honor of knowing, and it was a real pleasure to speak to him today. Welcome to another episode of Sit, Chat, and... I was working in New York in a boutique investment bank there. And then after that, I joined HSBC on a global rotation program. Uh, so that took me to, I worked in New York, London, and Hong Kong in uh, different areas of banking at the time. Yeah. What, or rather, when did you first have a idea or thought that this wasn't for you? When was that? And can you tell me a little bit about how that happened? How did it manifest? The banking side? Yeah. Um, well, when I went through the process of banking, um, I had an opportunity after the full rotation program to join a full-time job in London. And um, I declined because I felt that after having done the rotation program and trying different aspects of banking, and finance it didn't appeal to me and um, and after that I went on to uh, start up and be a part of a furniture export company in Hong Kong uh, because I come from a background where uh, a lot of our community uh, our Sindhi community amongst Indians uh, they are or they are in the exports business so and the trading line of work so I tried that and I tried that for three years as well and again it didn't appeal to me and uh, in the meantime I started doing financial trading and securities so I was doing that and while doing that I came across um, healing in through in the form of body talk so I started learning that uh, in 2008 and I certified and qualified for practice in uh, 2009 and over since that time along with body talk I've been learning I've been advancing in body talk and my knowledge of different aspects of a person's being how they function uh, physically mentally emotionally uh, spiritually so not just through body talk but I've done several other courses as well um, experimented with different things and developed uh, different techniques. Uh, when you when you were making that transition from doing something like finance into healing, I mean, obviously there's there must have been something that pushed you towards the world of finance and banking. Was it easy to make that transition? You know, in terms of the transformation that you had to go through or was it challenging to actually say look I'm gonna stop doing this and start this how was that when I was doing finance and then exports I think I did that because I went to a college which was business oriented and in those in the time when I was working uh, when I was going through college um, in the early uh, let's say early 2000 2001 2002 uh, when I graduated, banking was a big industry. So having gone to a business college, um, I did have an <coughs> inclination towards finance and I got attracted towards banking. 
um, because that was the industry everybody seemed to be going towards at the time so I felt inclined to try it as well. Um, when I tried it and realized I did not like it, I went into exports because I felt I came from a community of people who tended to be in that line of work. So that's why I went into that. Interestingly, when I went into healing, it was because I was attracted to it. So there was no external factor uh, that said, you know, this, this inspired, looking at this, I would like to be like this, which was in the case when I was graduating from college or when I tried my hand at exports because I was from a certain community. Healing was about me and what I enjoyed. So I was um, inspired at that time by another person who was doing this kind of work, who I went through to for several sessions. And I realized that, you know, there, here's something here that's amazing because uh, I've never been fond of medication, uh, taking tablets, uh, going to allopathic doctors. Um, and I felt here's something, and, and the reason I feel I was very attracted to this form of healing was because it was non-invasive. And secondly, it uh, worked with the person as a whole. So what I felt was when, when, when looking at uh, allopathic healing today in itself, it focuses primarily on the body. It's a Cartesian system which looks at each segment by itself. Of course, now since that time, it's evolved a lot and... There is some effort uh, in the medical industry to start looking at things more holistically at a physical level. Um, but what I what attracted me towards body talk at that time, as a was that it it looked at a person not just as their body. It was saying that you know based on how you think, based on how you feel, based on your the sum total of your experiences from the past, all this has an impact on your physical health. So that really attracted me to it, as well as a, a non-invasive aspect. Um, so I think that that it was just something I did because, as a passion. It was not something I began with any intent to become a healer. Um, I did it. I enjoyed it. I found it to be something I was naturally good at. Uh, something I naturally even experimented it to go beyond what was taught to me to explore to you know to, how should I say, push the boundaries of what I learned and learn more and go further and uh, through my own introspection, understanding, learn what was possible. And I learned a lot that way. Uh, and um, so I was, I was just naturally attracted to it. There are people out there who probably work in the finance world and the business world who probably have something as well that they're passionate about and things that they would rather be doing and they can't seem to make that jump. They can't seem to leap from that one rock to the next because of a sense of possibly loss of security, safety, whether it's going to work out or not, a lack of certainty. People have familial uh, obligations. Did you have any of those resistances? And if so, how did you overcome them? I think if, when a person is passionate about something, and this is something I feel is very important, when you enjoy what you do, uh, when you feel naturally inclined towards something, it's best to pursue it. And it need not be a challenging journey where one drops everything they're doing and, you know, overnight go towards that. Though that can also be a choice and, and that's one way to go. Um, another way is if you're on something right now and there's something else that attracts you and, and it's something that your heart really resonates with, uh, 
something that you're passionate and inspired about and you can't help being inspired you know it's something that you that comes so naturally to you to think about or feel into or explore that it's it's you know then that's something for you there's something there that's attracting you that you want to follow or pursue perhaps they one can look at trying to first uh, you know start giving time to that passion to exploring it in your free time and as you do so you'll become more and more convinced that this is the path you want to follow and as you give more and more of your free time to that path and 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 the and the greater your conviction about it uh, letting go of what you're doing at present will be natural so it's like a it's like a person who you know when while we're growing up we play with a certain toy and that toy attracts us at a certain age but then as we grow and evolve we're naturally attracted to other toys and we stop playing with certain toys so i i it's 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 let's like that it's like saying okay you know this interested me before i thought this was for me but now i found this and this is more important to me and the more i try it out the more i realize how important it is to me so i'm going to follow it of course there will be challenges if you have obligations for family if you have financial obligations you have to work out a plan in to make sure those sides are taken care of um does that mean that you know those obligations are going to consume you to the point where you won't be able to follow your passion no if if you are passionate about something and you love it and it's what you're meant to be doing you will find a way to make it work and and it it uh, any person who says that you know the challenges are too many for me to pursue what resonates with my heart i feel they're not being honest enough with themselves or they're not convinced about what they're following Yeah. And and it doesn't matter what you do. You you could be a fantastic banker, you can be an excellent healer, you can be someone who's a great lawyer. Uh I know people who've studied law in their 40s. Uh you know, and become barristers. You know, I I know people who've pursued their dreams at all ages, you know. And and it doesn't matter. There's nothing that held them back uh from pursuing what they were passionate about. You meet people sometimes who say that uh they're just doing something. They have a job that they have, but they don't love it. They're doing it because of the money or whatever. But they don't know what their passion is as well. They don't know they don't know what excites them. What would you say to them? I would say do what's in front of you and do it well until you decide you need a change. That's what I would say. I mean take my own case I I tried banking you know I started an exports company I was exporting furniture for 3 years then I went into trading commodities in the secure financial securities market and and side by side with that I learned about healing and then started pursuing that it it took me time to realize that healing was more than a passion and it was something I meant to actually be I meant to be a healer so I tried each thing as it came and moved on to the next thing and moved on to the next thing and it's taken me a while to realize that this is who I am and this is what I'm meant to do so i would say just do what's in front of you do you know uh, experiment with the opportunities that come your way and just rest assured it will lead you to where you need to go i'm going to extract a little bit of we're exploring conviction here 
And uh, people say there's a great wisdom in saying, I don't know, because that, that phrase, to many people, that means that that is the greatest wisdom when you say, I do not know, because then you're opening yourself up to more. So what would you say is the difference between that kind of not knowing, opening yourself up to that? How do you find that balance with conviction? What is the difference between that kind of knowing and conviction, true conviction? When we talk about knowing, there's two types of knowing. There's knowing based on objective knowledge, in which we are using a mental faculty. Uh, you know, I learned in school that the planet moves around the sun. That's objective knowledge. Um, now that's different from the knowing that comes from within. Uh, the knowing that comes from within is when we are in alignment with our higher selves. Now for some people the word higher self might sound alien, which is fine. But I'll just say that higher self means we're all here for a purpose. Uh, sometimes we are not following our purpose, sometimes we're following our purpose. And it takes time to understand our purpose for most of us. It doesn't always come, most of the time it doesn't come immediately. It takes us time to understand our purpose. So the conviction I am speaking of, which comes from our inner self, when we know without a shadow of a doubt, this is what we need to do. And it comes from something we know that goes beyond our reasoning capacity. It goes beyond our emotions. And it's in complete harmony with who we are at that moment. That's the knowing, that's the conviction I'm talking about. It's when we know that this is what we need to do. Right now, at this moment, this is our priority because it just simply is. It's not about logic. It's not about sentiment. It's not about what other people think. It's not about what we are told we should do and cannot do and the limitations set by the environments we grew up in. It simply is. It's, it's as simple as this is who I am, this is what I need to follow and there's no doubt at all within one that this is what they have to do. That, it's that conviction that I'm talking about, that kind of knowing. You said harmony and you find harmony with connecting with that purpose and conviction when you do that thing. Now, is there a difference between harmony and happiness? Because people are constantly looking for happiness. So is there a difference? A difference between harmony and happiness? Finding harmony within oneself when doing a thing and finding people are on a constant search for happiness. Is there still a search for happiness? I guess that's what I'm asking. Is there still a search for happiness when one finds their purpose? It depends on how we define happiness. So what is happiness? I guess uh, how would, what would you say is happiness? Mm -hmm. Let me ask you that question. What does happiness mean to you? To me personally, happiness is when I have no more desires for anything. 
when I'm truly at peace, when I feel like there's nothing left externally that can give me anything more that would change my state of being, which is who I truly am, my highest self. And I'm connected to that and I don't need anything else. For me, that's happiness. We live in this world, I feel today, that is constantly searching for happiness. And my question, I guess my question now is, you know, is happiness really external? Has it got to do with anything to do with doing something? Or is it always within us? Has it always been there? Happiness is something that does lie within us. But being happy within does not mean that one loses a sense of purpose outside of them. So, what you described earlier about what happiness means to you, about you feeling there's nothing external you need to give you a sense of fulfillment. Yes, it's possible to reach that state where there is nothing external that can give you a sense of fulfillment. But does that mean then you no longer have a purpose? I wouldn't say that. Today, if, when we pursue our purpose, that gives us the greatest amount of joy. And as we follow our purpose, and our purpose usually leads to us serving others in some way as well. When we pursue our purpose, we are driven. We are driven by that purpose intrinsically to keep on growing and evolving in its fulfillment. So, happiness is not a state of stagnation. It's a state of being where one is in alignment within, where they are in complete harmony with themselves and who they are at that point in time. So while being in harmony with yourself, you're able to create the greatest output of work. You're a source of inspiration to those around you because the work you carry out, the work you, that you are able to, what you're able to create in that state of harmony and happiness has a deepest impact on society and the people around you. So, we are constantly exploring we are constantly trying to improve on what we've already created. And let's say, for example, a person uh, creates a small community where people choose to live in harmony. They start with a few people, then they create a community, then they create a whole area or district. Next thing you know, what they're doing is they're creating communities everywhere, small communities where people can live a certain way in their joy and happiness. So a person who's inspired, who's in their joy, fulfilling their purpose, that same purpose leads them to begin somewhere and grow and expand and evolve so they have a deeper impact on the society they're living in. That, that, that the size of that community they are serving or part of keeps on growing. So, reaching happiness, uh, uh, how should I say, reaching an optimal state of happiness where you're in your joy, does not mean you stop right there. Mm -hmm. it's, it means you're actually at the beginning of fulfilling your purpose. Mm. That's what I would say. Because only when you're in your joy 
can you fulfill your purpose and coming to realize that state of joy so you can even begin to fulfill your purpose is where all the challenges are that's what the journey is about you know that grow that personal growth that personal evolution all the challenges a person faces to reach that point where they have come to that place where they are in alignment within at all states of their being you know their 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 emotions are not rebelling against them their thoughts are not turning against them you know they are physically emotionally and mentally and spiritually in harmony as one as whole able to pursue their purpose that's the personal journey a person goes through to reach that point and then once they reach that point then they can start spreading that joy which they have come to realize in themselves to the community around them that would be amazing and it is so ideal and that would be the it would be such a brilliant way to live why isn't it the norm right now why are we in this world where people aren't in that state i think firstly one has to ask is it possible to live life without challenges what do you feel absolutely not and i think that when we talk about purpose even within those things those pursuits there will be challenges exactly so we for any thing to grow to evolve to its complete beauty it has to face challenges it doesn't need to be a horrendous struggle but there will be challenges internally there will be questions there will be periods of doubt uncertainty where one begins to question that that if what they are doing is what they are meant to be doing uh, do they want to continue so challenges are there today if when you put a, a plant a seed in soil surrounded by all that mud uh, you know water and sunlight gets through and it begins to grow and those roots grow out and then as the roots grow the the plant grows and it has to push through all that mud and soil to push forth and then even then you know it's being there are bugs there are this i mean there are all kinds of challenges weather challenges i mean it has to gradually grow and evolve to its full potential uh, so everything every aspect of nature for it to reach its fulfillment has to face challenges so one one i think we have to firstly accept that there will be challenges and a life without challenges is stagnation and you know it's as good as being dead mm-hmm. uh so that's one aspect of it the other aspect is people feel uh, so to answer your question that firstly you must accept that challenges and and take it for granted uh and the other thing is people need perhaps uh need to realize that what this when we say seeing is believing we are much more than what we perceive around us uh what we perceive with our senses is not all that there is you know we ourselves are not that what we perceive to be who we are when we look in the mirror there's so much more to us than what we see in the mirror and there's a there's a fear there's a fear of not being enough and and i think that's why people are not able to 
uh, find themselves because there's that fear of not being enough in when they see themselves in the mirror they fear they aren't enough and that's because they feel disconnected from who they are internally and i feel the best way that people can follow their purpose to to recognize the purpose to come to a point where they can start following the purpose to bring that joy into their life is to look within and see what more they are made of you know it's not just about appearances it's not just about what we see uh, in mass consciousness where we are shown that this is the ideal life that you want to lead you know we are not meant to be clones of each other each person is unique in their journey we are not all meant to have the same dream otherwise life would be a very boring and dull place so i think most people have bought into the illusion that we are supposed to be clones of each other you know what our idea of perfection is what our idea of success is what our idea of happiness and fulfillment is is constantly projected to, to us around us from many different aspects of society which actually illusions so i would say it's not about uh, it's not about turning something down or declining it and saying this is an illusion i don't want to be part of it it's about saying who am i what inspires me what drives me you know once i once i remove all the expectations of the society i live in whether it's family whether it's society whether it's community whether it's nation it's what i see on the media once i filter all that out and look inside me what makes me happy what do i find interesting what drives me how about i try that out without fear of failure because fear of failure is a big thing you know everybody wants to feel loved everybody wants to feel that who they are living amongst will see them in the best light possible and see them as amazing and wonderful and perfect but the truth is no one can really see the other completely objectively because they all they have their own perspectives their own outlooks their own beliefs that form who they are so how can they objectively assess another so if you're looking for approval for the life you choose to live from the people around you you're never going to be happy or satisfied instead look for your self approval look inside you and see am i doing what genuinely makes me happy what's my barometer for my joy once you i feel once people start looking at themselves as unique and and start looking at what gives them joy and pursue that in the smallest things it doesn't need to be big it doesn't need to be wow you know i can change the world it's about saying what makes me happy you know if i like to go and sit in a cafe and have a cup of coffee and read a book fine you know that gives me joy if i want to get a flower pot and put it in my house and tend to it every day and that gives me joy it it gives a sense of fulfillment that's wonderful so it's the small things it's it's the small things that people i think lose their focus upon when they see what is projected as success to them by the society they live in but if success a, a person i know once said and i said well, i feel feel what the their definition of success was brilliant they said success is being at ease with oneself and i i feel that is that was a brilliant statement because that's what it's about success is about being at ease and at peace with yourself and who you are if you can achieve that 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 definition of success uh 
there's no limit to what a person can accomplish. We live in a world now of what we always have. We always have lived in this world where one's value is based on many different things. How much money they have in the bank, what car they drive, what is their job, who's their wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, what is, what, is, what is it that they're wearing? Is it Gucci? Is it Chanel? And these things make people feel temporarily valuable. With what you were talking about previously, does that sense of feeling valuable then become a bonus with these material things? How does that come into play? Because we do live in a world where we are still interacting with material. What is that balance between feeling valuable as a human being inherently, internally, and finding that balance externally? There's actually no balance. There's no question of balance. A person cannot identify their value with the material. Mm. It's, it's, not, it's not possible. What... Okay, let me ask you this. What is the purpose of the material? When you think about the material things you've described, the house, the car, the different things, what, what is the purpose of the material? Okay, so if I wear a really nice, a really nice uh, pair of trousers, really nice pair of shoes, um, a well-ironed shirt, if I'm groomed, I'm going to feel really good about myself but it's temporary, and I know that. But for that temporary amount of time, it's gonna make me feel really good. That's, that's the material aspect of feeling value. But when I'm doing what I love, which I'm so grateful and happy to have found that at such an early stage in my life, that also makes me feel very like valuable beyond the material. Does that answer your question? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up with a question on what you said and I'm going to ask this. Okay. Those, that nicely ironed shirt, those nice pair of trousers that you're talking about wearing. When you wear those, do you feel what you're wearing reflects who you are? Or are you reflecting the value of the clothes you're wearing? I would never put those clothes on if I didn't feel valuable already. Exactly. So... What you're wearing is a projection of who you are. You're not reflecting, you're not wearing the clothes so that you can reflect the value of the clothes. Because that's what you're saying. If, if a person wears a piece of clothing which has a certain brand name, which is very expensive, are they trying to project the brand name to people or are they projecting themselves? Because let's face it, those clothes, once you take them off, you're still you. Uh, so, so I think one has to understand what their relationship with the material is. The m material things are tools. They are tools to assist us in living in the world we live in. Does that mean that person should have a poverty complex and live with the most minimal things possible and reject the material? No. The material is a tool. Use it well. Enjoy it. But it doesn't define you. 
it can it can never define you how can it define you i mean you're born naked when we die we go back to the elements so along the way this any identification is just an illusion does that mean one should not enjoy the finer things in life no not at all uh, having a nice home with all creature comforts having a nice car to drive and when i say nice car i don't mean having a car because you're trying to show the others you can afford it mm-hmm. i'm talking about the finer things in life that are good because they have been created well mm-hmm. so if you if you have a car and i'm not going to go into uh you know the different brands of cars here to put one over the other but when a car drives well yeah it has a powerful engine it it has it's stitched well inside the way it's put together it looks aesthetically pleasing and you enjoy driving that car because of the the beauty and finesse with which it's been created and you strive for something finer to own it so you can enjoy the experience of driving it that's completely fine because that's a manifestation of beauty it's the same with the clothing it's the same with the home that you want to create your you know it's it's where your joy the the joy of being with someone you love in that home in that environment that space that home is an extension of who you are so when you use the material as a source of joy and to enjoy the beauty of it's you know in the way it's been created then you're you're giving that material whatever it might be whatever form it might take you're giving you're fulfilling its purpose its purpose is not attached to your purpose you're enjoying something as which has been created as a beauty of nature just like a tree has been created a fine car has also been created as a manifestation of intelligence and art by some individuals mm-hmm. so when you enjoy those finer things you're appreciating life in all respects so it's not about just saying you know look at this mountain or this greenery it's so beautiful it's god's creation that is beautiful but let's reject everything created by man because it's useless i mean that that that's an illusion because man is also created in 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 spirit just as nature is created from spirit and and when man produces something of beauty from that spirit it's also to be enjoyed and respected and utilized so when un- when one understands their relationship with the material you know and and also our our relationship with the material comes with our relationship with ourselves mm-hmm. when we value ourselves when we value who we are we strive for the things that also have been created in beauty so to the degree that we can appreciate who we are we can appreciate what life has to offer around us that's very different from identifying or associating my value with you know how others perceive what i am utilizing i mean that's that's an illusion mm-hmm. but the material like everything else is to be used it's to be appreciated is to be enjoyed tell us a little bit about uh body talk body talks based on the principle that uh each person's body has a capacity and innate intelligence to heal itself 
Um, so let us say today when we are breathing, when we are digesting our food, our circulation, when all these different aspects of our functioning take place at a physical level, we are not consciously aware of it. It's something that happens. There's, a, there's an innate intelligence in the body that handles all these functions, coordinates them, synchronizes them, directs them. Without us being consciously aware of having to do something about it or effort at it. Uh, so the body has this innate intelligence. This innate intelligence uh, is within the body and it comes from beyond the body. We're, through our mind, through our intellect, through our very, through, through the, should I say, to the, from the core of our being. Uh, and if it, it sort of permeates different, it, we can call it consciousness. It permeates different aspects, different layers of our being. So this consciousness that we are determines how different aspects of us function, whether through our feelings, our thoughts, and in our physical body, our entire functioning of our body. So uh, what Body Talk does is it looks at Okay, here's a person, they know how to function, they function as a whole, a synchronistic whole. Um, and when something's not working right, it's because there's some communication, there's an imbalance in the communication somewhere in the person's being. And by recreating or rejoining that communication, um, the person's body begins to function healthily again. And it's not exclusive, it doesn't say that if you're... Uh, through body talk alone, everything can be resolved. Sometimes a person does need um, external help. Um, for example, if a person's got a high fever, it doesn't say that you know through body talk alone that can be healed. Um, at that time, it's probably a good idea to take some other medication like a Panadol or Tylenol or uh, you know cold bandages so that you can keep a person's fever down while the person's body is dealing with it. But what it does say is, when something's not working within a person's body properly, there's something at its root that needs to be looked at. So, an example would be, if a person has a tendency to get migraines. Um, there are many reasons why a person can get migraines. So, you know, the, if, if you go to an allopathic doctor, they'll probably give you some medication for it. And that will uh, address some of the chemical imbalances in the brain that are causing the migraine but it won't address the root of it but why a person gets a migraine could be something physical and it could be something emotional a person might feel emotionally overwhelmed at times uh, stress anger tension worry these can cause migraines um, it could be posture related so there, there, there are many different reasons uh, it could be a memory from the past which is, uh, you know, which acts as a trigger when a person is in a certain environment. So there are many possible reasons why a person could be manifesting a certain physical symptom. We don't know what that is. What Body Talk does is, using it Body Talk as a tool, we are able to understand what is the cause of that symptom at a root level. And through understanding the root and its different layers, we are able to address it. So that over a period of time, once the root is addressed, the person can then become fine. And they don't need to be uh, reliant on, um, you know, a temporary solution to their situation. There's probably a lot of science to how one communicates with that intelligence. But if you could 
put it into simple terms, how would you say that works? Well, in body talk, it's muscle testing. We use something called muscle testing where um, when we use muscle testing, which was developed through kinesiology um, in a few decades back, um, we are able to communicate with the person's full body mind. And through asking a series of yes and no, uh, series of questions to which we have get yes and no answers, we are able to understand what is the root situation uh, or the root cause of the situation. Um, that's uh, through a person who acts as a boy talk practitioner for someone else. Of course, over time, as your intuition develops, you're able to intuitively sense what is going on with the person as well when you sit down in a certain space to carry out that healing process. Can you list us through a little bit of, about how you go through that muscle testing? Like, what's the first thing you do in the second? Just a little bit of how that works. With muscle testing, it involves using uh, any muscle in the person's body. So you could use the entire arm, you could move to just the wrist, you could move just a finger. Uh, and the way it works is you, if uh, when you ask a question of a person and you're communicating with the full body mind, uh, and of course you need the person's permission, you can't do it without the person's permission because if you try and use muscle testing on a person without their permission, your ans that answers that come through won't be accurate. Um, so the way it works is you test a muscle. So for example, say if uh, you move a person's finger a teeny weeny bit and um, you know if you're asking a question where the answer is yes, the person's finger, say if the person's hand is on a surface and you're moving just a finger on the hand um, and when you move the finger slightly, um, if the answer is yes to the question posed, the finger will move without resistance. Uh, when slight pressure is applied to it. And if the answer is no to the question being asked, there's a resistance to the finger moving. And that way you know whether the answers you're getting uh, the, to your questions are yes or no. And the questions are based on uh, knowledge gathered over a period of time through courses done and experience, where you've learnt about the person's anatomy, physiology, the functioning of their mind, consciousness, and different aspects of their being. Uh, where where does that muscle connect to? Is it the subconscious, the unconscious? How does that work? It connects to the full mind. So the subconscious, the conscious, uh, and it goes, it's connected to that innate intelligence that I spoke about earlier. So if you think of, a, if you think of it as a highway, and on this highway there are different exits. So the way we ask the questions as we go along the highway, there are different exits and there are sub-exits. So for example, if I'm trying to understand what's causing a challenge in the person's anatomy, where is the challenge exactly? And I'll say, okay, so the challenge could be in organs, it could be in the endocrines. So if I test and it says, and I ask endocrines, I get a no through that resistance I was speaking about, then I move on to, end, you know, uh, the organs. So if I got a no at endocrines, I move to the organs. And then I, once I move to the organs and I get a yes, then I ask which organ. And based on the resistance or lack of it, I'll know which organ is pointing out to. So it could be the lungs, heart, liver, gallbladder, kidney, spleen, any of these organs. But the organ where 
it the answer to it is yes then i'll know that's the organ we're focusing on and then we again take it from there and go back to start from the beginning of the highway again and move through other information so that way we are able to pinpoint where the communication is not working at its best and through connecting those points again through understanding what is affecting those areas we are able to bring the person's awareness uh, or the awareness of the heart the brain the mind to those areas to heal them to repair them if you get you know one two or more potential exits is it is it just a matter of asking more questions to find out which is the right one uh yes okay it's very cool you obviously have a lot of things that you see in the world so brilliantly but you also have a solution to a lot of these things that we do face as people like fears challenges how to overcome them how to face them so tell us a little bit about the work that you do to do that tell us about your blog and your healing work and how we can contact you um well if you want to read more about uh how i see things and uh the share my uh insights uh you can please visit uh www.hareshmanglani.com uh my name spelt in full and um uh the work that i do the healing and mentoring there's there's two aspects um the healing and mentoring healing is about addressing everything that uh creates resistances within us so when our body is not well when we are not well internally healing is a process of us coming to being uh in a space of peace uh with whatever's causing us challenges that healing can take place uh at different levels of our being so the healing can take place uh in our physical body uh when we face any kind of chronic health issues um it can take place emotionally and mentally through our beliefs our fears our judgments that we have and working with those um to get past them um and even spiritually sometimes i un- so so i would say the healing work that i do is is primarily about addressing the physical the mental the emotional uh even the physiological um things to do with our breathing our circulation our digestion i i class uh, our chakras our meridians uh, i classify those as uh, physiological aspects of our body um uh, then the other work i do is mentoring mentoring is about assisting people and enabling them and empowering them so that they can come to a place of understanding of who they are so that they can pursue their joy and their dreams so mentoring is about assisting a person by drawing out the best in them for them to see and in doing so they are able to step forward to pursue their value financially their relationships well their purpose 
So mentoring is about helping people to bring the best out in them. So these are the two types of work I do, healing and mentoring. Uh, and to learn more, please visit my website. I noticed you, were, you mentioned chakras and you're wearing one of the chakra pieces. I feel chakra pieces or jewelry are pieces of art and uh, also pieces of energy that really assist us in many different ways. Uh, this jewelry is being created by a person, Mala Daswani, who's been a source of inspiration to me since a very long time. Uh, a wonderful person, a uh, really brilliant individual. Um, and this jewelry that's been created by her is amazing because it assists us in the chakras. Uh, chakras are energy centers in the body that um, uh, act as conduits between uh, our spiritual selves and our inner selves and our outer selves, our physical bodies. They each center acts as a how should I say a relaying point to relay what's going on within us to what's going on outside of us, um, and. These chakras are very important uh, and keeping them healthy is also essential. Uh, this jewelry that's been created by Mala um, helps balance the chakras. It helps us manifest our full potential. Uh, it helps us in healing and it helps us in many different ways. And I highly recommend these uh, pieces of jewelry to anyone who would like to attune themselves to the inner self. Thank you so much. I, I've lost my sense of time just listening to you and I don't think I've ever been so silent recording a podcast because I was just so entranced by what you were saying, genuinely. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for your brilliant questions. Thank <laughs> you for your inspiration uh, due to which you're doing this work. Thank you. Hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again soon. Thank you. <laughs>